0: Girls Who Product tells the stories of amazing women to inspire others to follow their path in the product area. This project is supported by Zalando. Hello to our new listeners of Girls Who Product and welcome back to our old friends. Today we have a very special edition of our podcast. It's a stay at home edition. And today we have a very interesting conversation with Catherine Lewis, who is joining us online directly from the United States. Catherine is a co-founder of Product Dodger in Berlin. She's also a product thinker. And today she's going to share with us her insights about her life, her profession, and the current situation that's happening right now with the outbreak of coronavirus. Welcome, Catherine.
1: Well, thank you. Well, welcome to be here. Thank you.
0: Great to have you with us. Well, Catherine, you have been in United States when the outbreak of coronavirus has started. So, how have you been doing during the last few weeks? What has been challenging for you in this new situation?
1: So, I think, as you know, our president did not respond at the beginning uh, with any sort of panic, but our governor. Uh, for Our our local governor did and so we were Requested to stay at home and I've been at home um, much earlier than the rest of the country and that's Always a challenge because I like to be outside and I like to get a lot of exercise and I like to see the Sun Um, Yeah, and just trying to stay positive and avoid A panicky situation.
0: A couple of days ago you published an article on how to keep a positive mental attitude while working from home. Can you maybe explain more what does the positive working attitude mean?
1: So PMA is a really uh, important thing in in terms of health Um, and I learned about PMA positive mental attitude from my volunteer work as a search and rescue technician, um, I, I use uh, dogs to find missing people. And the, what accompanies PMA is, is this rule of three that we learned a long time ago. Um, if you let panic rule your actions, you can be doomed in less than three seconds. And you can survive three minutes without air. In three hours, if you have some kind of, or without shelter, if you're in some kind of harsh environment, three days without water, if you've made that shelter, and three weeks without food, if you have water and you've made that shelter. So knowing the the situation, um, the state of the person who's missing, what sort of environment, what kind of shelter you can make, uh, and then Number one, don't panic. So, this is panic is spreading right now um, as fast as this uh, novel coronavirus is spreading, and what it means to me to stay positive, working from home, um, just as we did when we started this call. We we have a check in to see how how we're really doing, and you can do that. Um, Simply with like naming a feeling that you have and talking about it, um, naming the emotional state that you are in and why, and talking about it. Um, don't blame yourself. <laughs> you know, it's easy to say, "Oh, I should have gone out and splurge shopped for that toilet paper," but you know, you have what you have, and and go do do what you need with what you have. So there's. Things you can control um, and control them. Uh, things you can influence and try to influence. And then there's this whole soup that you can panic about, <laughs> but it's best not to panic. What you can't, you can't uh, change.
0: Two weeks ago, it happened in Portugal, and then apparently around the world. When people got to know that they were likely to end up uh, being in emergency state, uh, they started buying up toilet paper and alcohol. I'm just trying to understand whether there is some problem with the values we have as a society? Or is the fault of, of the government of mismanaging the whole situation and uh, bringing people into panic?
1: <laughs> I think it's a hurting behavior that human beings have. Um, there was some media publication about a, a truck full of toilet paper that was stolen in Hong Kong. And I think that was a trigger of hurting behavior for toilet paper um yeah i think herding behavior happens and you can see it in uh in conferences and grocery stores and um but i don't i don't think it's um failure of the government i think the way people are we're we we go into herds you know I, don't know if I answered your question or not, but I was curious about the toilet paper as well. And I have a little story. Um, my friend who was staying, she moved uh, to a VRBO um, or Airbnb and she got caught without toilet paper. So I put one on my front porch and when she knows somebody stole it and I was very angry. And then I thought, you know, if somebody steals toilet paper, they probably need it more than I do.
0: <laughs> plus a couple of points to your karma for sure for sharing your toilet paper. don't you think that there comes maybe a time that our planet is asking for some breath, asking for some space, and sending us to our home
1: oh that's an interesting thought yeah i'm I'm looking outside and I'm seeing really blue skies. You know? And I think our planet is breathing right now. Yeah, lots of people are... A lot less jet fuel is being being expended right now.
0: I've read some statistics that there is less people dying because of the carbon emission effects than people dying from coronavirus. So it says that we're saving lots of lives just by not traveling.
1: You know, um, probably four years ago, maybe three years ago, Stefan and I introduced the sustainable development goals. There's 17 of them from the UN along with the design challenge. And what we realized when, when we form a team in the dojo and they're building something um, with an added thing to help the planet, you know, whatever the design challenge is, and not harm the planet more or and save plastic and something else it really motivates the the teams, really, tremendously. Um, So I I like to encourage others to do that whenever you have a product challenge, add a sustainability goal, and uh, you'll see the motivation just
0: I hope that would be the top priority motivation for people after it's over. A lot of thinkers who reflect on the current situation of the outbreak they say that our world will never be the same again once it's over in a negative and in a positive sense so in a positive way they say that we will never come back to the structural working environment working five days per week um, because people are finding alternative ways to earn money online they're actually now having time to stay home and think about who they really are and whether they want to come back to the life they used to have before. So if you reflect on this idea, what do you think what would be the world after the crisis that we're experiencing right now?
1: Um, I think there will be a lot more job positions that say remote only afterwards. Um, I think, uh, as you mentioned, I think there's going to be a lot of people Questioning their values, you know, um, your trip to the beauty salon might not be as important as it was before, you know, and um, I'm extremely hopeful uh, that we will see more politically and socially active folks um, to build a better, newer reality.
0: (laughs) for the past two weeks I see lots of partisanship initiatives coming up like partisanship radios who are discussing the social problems, groups appearing who are trying to volunteer and help help vulnerable part of the society and this is fantastic because people like awakening and trying to see the other side of their life which is not only their families and working environment. And while you also you, you keep being active and together with your partners at Podogio, you organize a series of online sessions on how to stay sane while working remotely. So people can actually join these online sessions and talk about the problems that they're experiencing while working online and also discuss their working working conditions in the current situation. So uh, since you talked to a lot of people who are currently working remotely, can you outline the main problems that they are bringing up to you and that worries them the most?
1: Yeah, we well, last week we did a session on uh, running OKRs remotely because... what we realized was um, Q1 is ending and Q2 is starting and suddenly everybody is working remotely, having to wrap up what they um, had for goals in uh, Q1 and what they want to do in Q2. So um, this next session that we're doing is tips and tricks to stay positive. Um, And the, the one After is to address concerns. How do you do retrospectives completely remote if you're not if you haven't done them before? And so there are questions that we get uh, that we that that change over time. So it's not uh, consistent. Like it's always this one question. Yeah, I think there there could be a whole session. In fact, everybody is is um, putting out how to work remotely. I think I get three or four of them in my inbox in a day. Um, And ours are focused on product people.
0: If you would outline one main obstacle these people are actually trying to struggle with. and Focus. Focus.
1: Yeah. That's the session we have next week. We're really, really doing a personal Kanban and knowing that you have to put yourself on the calendar first, you know, like you're, your schedule for when you exercise, your schedule for when you eat, you know what you need and take care of yourself first. I think it's really important people expecting the same level of productivity with somebody working from home, but it isn't really working from home now. It's working from home during a pandemic. There's quite a difference there, (laughs) a whole new reality. And another thing that I would say is, um, we we will be needing to make shorter iterations of absolutely everything because time is the world is spinning faster
0: and let's hope that we're going to be back soon to the physical reality when we can be actually close to our teams how did you discover your talent for coaching and training people in product thinking
1: um i think as a as a development manager Uh, helping people get started and helping people learn to plan and make shorter iterations. So from doing, you know, learn by doing. And, um, I, I really am a firm believer that product development should be fun, should be a kick in the pants. It should be really fun. And when you create a fun environment for folks, um, you learn from them they learn for you and you just it's great
0: yeah i personally assisted a couple of your workshops and it was a, a very unusual experience for me for those who are not familiar yet with podoja work check out their website and make sure you sign up for the next physical or online workshop
1: thank you for that <laughs> it's
0: podojo.com exactly we're going to put all the links right in our publication and below this video and podcast. So make sure you check it out. So at Podagio, you launch a safe place for product creators. I assume if there is a safe place for product creators, then there must be an unsafe, dark place for them. What is a dangerous place for product thinkers and creators?
1: Um, y- y- this is a good question that we ask folks at the very beginning. What makes your safe place for you? And we get... a we get a lot of uh, different things you know what some person might say when when my idea is ignored or when somebody talks over me or um when work interrupts me when I'm you know so that it it's not a question to ignore um asking your teams what makes this a safe place and then Going back to that, checking back in with that—is it still safe? What do we need to add? What do we need to change to make it safe? So it's a, unique to the to the group. You get that
0: answer. How easy is it for the team to apply the new skills that they learn on practice?
1: Well, for for this point itself, um, I, I to, to make it a habit, it has to be accompanied with a. a schedule like a retrospective and I suppose with a very interrupted team or somebody command controlling managing them it, it might be difficult to check back in with the team so the team comes first if, if the team's not a team then you don't get a product.
0: <laughs> so I imagine that for example a small team of, that works for quite a big organization, a corporation is doing a prododger training and then coming back to their corporate reality. I assume that it might be quite difficult for them to bring a structural and organizational change to this kind of a corporate environment. So where the change should start from in their case.
1: At any point in time, a a product person's compass would be customer facing uh, or product and team facing. Or the organization. And if the organization's huge, this product person will spend all their time organization facing to the detriment of the customer or the product and team. So uh, there's no real easy answer for that, but just know where your focus is and why it's there, you know, and know when to. And say, leave my team alone. You know, if your team's being interrupted, because um, the product person really has to be everywhere at once. You know, and that's again back to that focus problem.
0: Yeah, it's a hands-on role. You have to you have to deal with lots of things. And for people who don't have any tech background, and especially it's uh, applied to women and uh, that's why the purpose of uh, of this project is actually to inspire ladies to enter into the profession of product management or product area in general. Um, So how for women who don't have any tech background find uh, inspiration in product profession?
1: Um, First, uh, find another product person and go have lunch with them, you know, just reach out. Not right now, I mean, this is maybe remote lunch or remote coffee or something like that, but um, reach out to another woman who's in product and reach out to me, that'd be fine. Um, If you have an idea, I think this is a really great way to start. If you have an idea for a product, see if you can make it make sense on paper, and get feedback from that. And then if it makes sense on paper and you've gotten some feedback and then you start testing areas, little short experiments and tests, and then you'll get some more help. um, And then build your product. So just just start
0: so you see it sounds easy, hopefully it 's that easy on practice as well. Well, every day we see more and more women being in leadership, but i 'm sure there are uh, still some few obstacles left out there for, for us. So, what do you think are the main obstacles that are there for, for new sort of leadership that led by women um,
1: obstacles for women women are. Amazing, great leaders. I think that probably the biggest obstacle would be themselves thinking that they're not. One thing, um, one thing I would encourage if is to find a buddy to, you know, have them poke you if you are underestimating yourself or your capabilities. So. If, you've, if you're in a position where you say, I don't think I do that, then you get a poke in the ribs or something. So team up with somebody uh, on wherever you feel like you have weak weaknesses and get some feedback.
0: And where do you think we should look for powers. Back in the times our ancestors were doing it through connection to nature, through different rituals, singing, dancing, and folkloric stuff. Nowadays, we see for the past hundred years, a rise of feminist movement and I think those are kind of two extremes what do you think is the golden middle where we should be using as the base to look for our powers for
1: oh I don't know I'm a firm believer in the whole singing dancing stuff too you know I I think we have deep down inside we have the things that we need that that charge our batteries and um, tap into that Know what charges your batteries. I have a tool for that. I have a Marvel comic super superpowers, uh, a big poster, and it has all the names of all the different superpowers. And when I have coffee in the morning, I check out all the powers and I think for my day today, what is the best superpower that I need? And then I
0: tap into it. If our listeners are looking for some inspirational sources, please make sure you make your list of superpowers and find pick your individual one every every day. Uh, well, I actually wanted to talk a bit with you about the start of your career. Do you remember how you first started in product? What were your first first fears, first days, first steps?
1: Um, I started at Bell Northern Research. Um, I was in. A team where we owned the handover software uh, from one cell tower to another cell tower and you're driving, you you have algorithms that switch from one cell tower to the other. And at lunch, so this is back when cell phones were the size of suitcases and antennas were for cars were super, super tall and we would go make mobile to land, land to mobile, mobile to mobile calls and get pizza at lunch and um, come back. And then once at the end of the month, the customer would come and sit with us and actually look at our code and tell us what they wanted for the next iteration. And we had a burn down chart. Um, So it was really quite, Quite agile um, way back then and then little by little um, the company got uh, I think the first thing that happened was we separated design from sustaining and then tests moved into a different floor rather than, so we were cross-functional and then that whole cross-functional stuff split so I I would really search hard for your team if you're starting I was lucky enough to get a really great team so search for your team when you're starting a new job um, in any any job it's really important to have a good team
0: From the nature of product management professions I have a feeling that it has to be challenging I see some really creative folks today
1: uh, and I, I think that's part of part of it. I mean, you, you, you shouldn't enforce guidelines. I mean, I, I teach scrum. I'm not, I'm not scrum police. I, it, there's a lot of research that says if teams have control of their own environment, they're more productive in that environment. So if the daily standup is hurting people, switch it up, you know, so, and l- let them switch it up. Uh, so the, The default answer, what does the team think they need to do, is going to to help in the long run.
0: And do you think the change should come from the inside of the team or from the outside?
1: I I think you should, if you're on a team and you're wanting to see how others work, go visit another team. And that might inspire some changes. So
0: never stop learning, you know? At the end of our conversations, I usually ask my guests to send some inspirational message to women who want to get into the product, but are afraid to do so. So what kind of an inspirational message you can send to them?
1: Do it. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, product development is a kick in the pants. Have an idea, um, play with it, uh, talk to other women. Um, It's lots of fun.
0: Yeah, make sure that you, you're not afraid, right?
1: I don't know if fear can be motivating too. So it, it's excitement, you know, you could be afraid and excited, uh, but that shouldn't stop you.
0: Imagine that you got to meet little Catherine. What would you say to that girl?
1: Ooh, easy one. Learn the power of negotiation. So learn how to negotiate as soon as you can somehow i think women are not taught negotiating skills and uh, they don't they don't question an answer Uh, but there's a lot of power in in negotiating and learning how to um, so a little bit about that there's ways of negotiating where you think it's a pie for example and i want it, i want all the slices slices in the pie or you're divided up somehow um, but negotiating is about making more pies and making lots of people happy so learning the power of
0: negotiating is uh, pretty critical thank you so much for joining us and stay tuned
1: well thank you